Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and I'm trying to get all these buttons pushed. (laughs) Well, this morning we talked about the Logos, uh, the Word. You know, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And this use of the word logos, it does mean word, but there's other Greek words that mean word that don't mean what logos mean. Because really, what logos means is right reason. And this right reason of the logos is very important for us to understand as it is, uh, uh, it is the, uh, logos the the right reason of Christ that makes the gospel what it is. And a lot of people don't understand what the gospel of the kingdom really is and what that Logos really stands for uh, because they have been taught something that is simply not the case. It's not really true. It's not really what the uh, the, the gospel of the kingdom is all about. And uh, so they're actually following these ideas and religions. It's not pure religion. It's it's not uh, righteousness, because that's one of the things that we're supposed to be seeking, is the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. And uh, I was going to continue to talk about the Logos, but actually we were gonna, I was thinking that we should move over to uh, another page that I was... I've, I've worked on many times, but I, I shared it on Facebook that somebody was saying, seeing that there's this breakdown in society and we need to go back. And, and this is one aspect of the Logos is what when Peter in First uh, Peter uh, chapter 4 verse 8 says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. And, of course, that same word that we see as charity is also the word we see as love. And so it's really easy to say you love somebody, but it costs something to be charitable. And people in society have gotten so that they are a lot more selfish than they realize. And one of the things that has made them so selfish is their fixation on religion. I was just talking with people concerning uh, different religions that are found around the world. And some of them, the original gurus or prophets or whatever it is who set up those religions, they had some very good things to say. But as time goes on, the people unmoor the meaning of what they taught uh, and turn them into rituals, mindless rituals often, that do not provide anything that could be even remotely considered righteous. And you could go to all sorts of religion. We mentioned Tao this morning because the Tao has is actually a word that is similar to Logos, but it's a Chinese word. But it actually means the same thing because Logos means right reason. Or it's actually supposed to represent how 
the universe works. It's the law of nature. If you do this, this happens. If you do that, this happens. And understanding how it all works gives you right reason. But if you calculate that, oh no, we don't have to be charitable, we don't have to care for one another, we can actually do something different, and it leads to bondage. It actually degenerates us as a people. And when we were studying tribalism, and we went through some of that, and we have uh, you know, a page on tribalism at Preparing You, you can look up, that this idea of tribalism is is a way in which we relate as a people. And there's good tribalism and there's bad tribalism. There's good characteristics of gathering together and there's bad ways in which to gather together and some of them cause a degeneration of the people. And one of the things that was in this uh, idea of uh, tri- tribalism is this idea that uh, hard times produce strong men and strong men produce good times and good times produce weak men and weak men produce hard times. And that's a cycle that, and there's several ways of putting it, but that's one way that, that happens in society where, where they become very free, they become very prosperous, and then they begin to decay. And so what you need to do is have a way in which you raise your children, the next generation, in which they do not enter into that decay process. That you do it in a way that they they were more likely to do the right thing. And so you have certain values in your culture. Like you can have the value of sacrifice for others. And that's one of the key sacrifices. Sacrificing for others is one of the key ideas in a successful society. And of course... Love is sacrifice because love is charity. It's, it's taking what you have, what you have of value, and giving it away for the benefit of somebody else. Now, you have to do it wisely because if you give away in a way that's unwise, you will weaken the poor. And so, uh, that's very important to understand, but when we look at First Peter... Uh, chapter 4, if we start at chapter 4, because we're not going to do the whole Peter. And we should do a study on Peter, and and maybe by the time somebody listens to this some other time, we will have that study up. Now we have, you know, the epistles of Peter, and we do have some studies on Peter, but I notice in chapter 4 of the first Peter, we don't, we don't really have the standard uh, side panel where we discuss it. We, we, I actually have the section that says fervent charity in it, which is in verse 8, as a hot link to the article on fervent charity. And then, of course, there's another link to an article we have on charity. But just to understand fervent charity in the context, we can actually read at least that chapter. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourself likewise with the same mind. Christ sacrificed himself. He says, arm yourself likewise with the same mind of that sacrifice. You don't come together in a congregation for what you can get. 
You come together in a congregation for what you can sacrifice for the benefit of others. And of course, the benefit of others doesn't mean making them weak, but rather making them strong. So we we likewise, we come together with the mind of Christ so that others might be saved, not to save ourselves, because in caring about others, we find the righteousness of God if we do it in a righteous way so that we might be saved as well. Because Christ came not to save himself, but to save that others might be saved. So that would be the same mind of Christ in us if that's why we're gathering. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Wow. Wow. Now, how do you cease from sin? In other words... Sacrifice, charity, charity is one of the greatest things, according to Paul, is to cease from sin. And what are the the sins? Well, we can go through a lot of those, but I think it will be too much of a sidetrack. So let's just go on to verse 2 and see if you can put it together yourself. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Not my will, but thine be done. That's what Christ said. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. So in the past they were doing the will of the Gentiles, but now they're going to do the will of God. When we walked in lasciviousness and lust. Excess of wine, reveling, banqueting, and abominable idolatries. Now, idolatry is covetousness. That's what it says elsewhere in the Bible. Idolatry is covetousness. Covetousness is idolatry. Same thing. The banquets, lasciviousness, and lusts. These are actually... Links that you can go to other articles that we have there. I could actually put links in for Gentiles and everything. But the key thing is that when they thought like the Gentiles, then it's not just about having parties, but it's about eating the dainties of rulers, which is the abominable idolatries. Because... The rulers give you what they take away from your neighbors. So we know that the rulers who provide dainties and our appetite for those dainties is a covetous practice and is the essence of idolatry. We know this more so when we understand that the temples of Israel were government buildings. That's where you went to get your welfare. That's where you went to get your free bread. And, of course, today you go someplace to get your free bread and you get it from men who are rulers who take away from others. I mean, like all your student loans that are getting paid off, they're not getting paid off except by taking away from others. Even if they just paid it off with borrowed money, they're taking away from many others because all the money in your bank account is decreasing in value Because they're printing more of the notes than they actually have anything to back it. So inflation will rob your neighbor. So that's a covetous practice to desire, you know, a stimulus check or benefits from a man who exercised authority. That's all idolatry. That's all lasciviousness. 
That's all, all lust and greed because you desire at the expense of others. That is the antithesis of loving your neighbor, which is sacrificing for your neighbor. It's not, there's nothing wrong with paying taxes. If you owe, pay the tax. But there's something wrong with being greedy for gain at the expense of others. That's a, that's the covetous practice. So if you look at verse 4, wherein they think it's strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. That, cause they call evil good, which is covetous practices is good. You know, socialism is good. Socialism is always a covetous practice. They're going to take away from those who work really hard and give it to those who don't really hardly work. That's a covetous practice. Christ was not a socialist. He was all for taking care of the poor, but not through force. And that that's one of the things we talked about this morning in the Logos, is that Caesar was called the Son of God. Caesar was called the Savior. Jesus was... You know, according to the prophecy of the angel talking to Mary, that your son will be called the son of God. And then when they mention that in the Bible, that he is the son of God, they're literally poking at this king called Caesar. Although Julius Caesar said, I am not a king, I am Caesar. And we explained a little bit of that this morning, that Caesar was actually his family name. And... Julius was actually his clan name, and his actual name was Gaius. <laughs> so, anyway. But, uh, this idea of the emperor being the son of God, and Jesus being the son of God, and the emperor being the savior of the people, and Jesus being the savior of the people, they said, well, look at the parallels, all the parallels, but what's the difference? That, that Jesus wanted you to take care of one another through choice, through fervent charity. You choose, you personally, today, choose to give to others in a way that strengthens the poor. In a way that provides all the social welfare for your society through charity. Caesar wanted to provide all the social welfare for his society to men who exercise authority by by giving away gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And Julius Caesar did it first by selling a million Gauls into slavery and, and killing hundreds of thousands of people, destroying whole vast tribes of people, and then bestowed the benefit of that on the people of Rome. He was doing that even before he became a general, but when he became a general and he monetized the value of the war, you know, he often borrowed money to give to the poor. But he was personally responsible for the debt. Now, when your governments of the world today, like Biden, is borrowing the money to pay off student loans... He doesn't owe that money back. You do. Because he's borrowing it in the name of all those who are members of the United States. You know, beneficiaries of the United States. All the people who have social security numbers. He is borrowing in their name and they owe that debt back. And their children and their children's children will owe that debt back. He is not 
paying off your student loans with fervent charity. He's paying off your student loans with legal charity. And we have an article on legal charity. And you can find that by going to fervent charity or going up there and looking in the search engine to find that. We know from our study of history, and we shared a lot of that this morning. We shared it in a lot of places. We shared about legal history. Uh, excuse me, legal charity. We share the history of legal charity in America. It didn't begin with FDR, but it was a huge leap forward in the realm of legal charity with FDR. It expanded even more so with LBJ. And then with Obama and many others, and now with uh, Biden. To pay off your student loan is legal charity. Legal meaning a binding charity. Binding charity, you say, well, how is that a binding charity? Now, I, I talked about that, too, and, and Paul talks about that. The show before this talks about, you know, saving us from Paul, but they, they don't understand Paul. Paul's talking to you about things hard to understand, and people don't understand Paul. But part of the reason a lot of people don't understand Paul is they don't understand the gospel. Paul's just quoting other prophets a lot of the time. But if you don't know the other prophets, you may miss it. You know, like when he even says in the case of their table is a snare. He says he's quoting David. And then we can go back to David and see that David is saying what should have been for their welfare is a snare and a trap. And, and we can go to Proverbs. And like I say, you can look up the word dainties. Because they talk about this snare and trap and net. The one purse is a net. And you're captured in the net of your own making when you all decide to have one purse. Which social, socialism is one purse. See, you can go everywhere in the Bible and it talks about this. And that's why I went through a lot of the lesser prophets to begin with to show you that even in them, every one of them, they're talking about these covetous practices in one form or another. So he's saying, you know, like in verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. But when he says all things, what what does he mean? Because all the end of the world didn't take place. But of course, if you look in the Bible for end of the world, they're actually not talking about the end of the planet. They're talking about the end of an age. And at the end of one age comes another age. And what happened when Rome collapsed, that was the end of an age, the age of Rome. The end of the age of the Pax Romana. And it was the beginning of a new age, which a lot of people call the Dark Ages, but they really call it the Dark Ages because they don't want you to know what was going on. Because <laughs> what was going on was the people were free for a thousand years almost. You know, from 10, uh, if you go from 1066 back to 66 AD, that's a thousand years. 66 AD, the, the, uh, Jews were destroyed by the very Caesar. They said they had no king but Caesar. They, they weren't honorable with Caesar. They cheated Caesar and Caesar came back and destroyed them. And Caesar's always done that. He did it with Corinth, you know, 50 years before Christ, or more than 50 years before Christ, he did it with Corinth. 
They destroyed Corinth. Probably that was about 150 years before Christ. Because Polybius was saying, you know, that people becoming accustomed to living at the expense of the masses with an appetite for benefits, become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others. That's what America is doing today. That's what all the people got their student loans supposedly paid off are depending on the property of others to pay off their debt. And and that and all the other benefits that they want from men who exercise authority is going to generate them into a bunch of Karens. <laughs> or what, what What do they call guys who are Karens? Are those kins? I don't know what they... There's probably some name for them. But what happens is that they get to be tossed to and fro with the... What we talked about this morning is ethos and pathos. Mostly pathos. Because they... They have this adoration. In the case of the Democrats, it's pathos. I mean, what what Democrat does everybody bow down and worship? No, but the emotionalism used on the Democratic side. You know, the I hate Trump club and everything. But now we have this mega movement, mega movement, what do they call it? Where everybody thinks Trump is their salvation. That's ethos. That's where you hold some personality up to be greater than they actually are and you think that your salvation is in that personality, that individual. And a lot of people saw that with FDR. You know, they just adored FDR. Thought he was could do no wrong. Of course, he was doing wrong all the time. It's amazing the number of people that liked LBJ. That's Lyndon Baines Johnson. I, you know, I saw one of these TikToks that were showing these people being asked all these questions like, who, who did America fight in the, the American Revolution? And who fought in the Civil War? And, you know, how many states are there? And they're saying things like four. <laughs> uh, although one, one woman asked, uh, was asked, uh, what countries border the United States? And you could take that question a couple of different ways, but she said Canada, and that's true. Canada borders the United States, and then she said the Soviet Union, and the guy treated that like that's a wrong answer. Well, up there, you know, if you go look on a map between Canada and Siberia, which is Russia, I guess it may have said Russia, because Soviet Union supposedly collapsed, you know, and. Uh, and, and that would be true if I hadn't saw Blast from the Past. So the, all you movie buffs, you can go watch Blast from the Past. And you got to watch it to the end to get that, the humor of that. But uh, anyway, uh, the, uh, the, the reality is, is that up there in Alaska, you, 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 Alaska goes off coast for a little ways and then Siberia goes off coast a little bit. And, and we border the Soviet Union. The United States actually borders the Soviet Union. So her answer was actually correct. I don't know if the guys understood that. <laughs> but, but the guy was looking for the, you know, the contiguous 48 states, not the 50 states. And so 
I think that he wanted the answer of Mexico. But anyway, that was just me being technical. I'm often very technical. You know, you watch a, a Western with me and I'll be saying, well, I have a brother who does this even more so than me, where he says, oh, those tapaderos, nobody's using those tapaderos at that time. <laughs> and that that bit, that's not a common bit. That They'd use a basal. They wouldn't use a snaffle like that. And, you know, because he's very technical about the whole thing. Hope I wasn't just disconnected here, clicking on the phone. But anyway, uh, I will continue to do the the show anyway, and we'll have it recorded. So, in verse eight, we say, "And above all things, have this fervent charity amongst yourselves, for charity covers a multitude of sins." This was the daily ministration of the government appointed by Jesus Christ which was the church appointed by Jesus Christ. Now, how did he do that? Because, you know, like I said this morning, the Pope just was saying that, you know, all the the uh, religious groups or churches under directly under the Vatican need to move their funds to the Vatican Bank before the end of September. I think he's expecting an October surprise. You need to come together in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands like Jesus Christ. And you need to do so with fervent charity. You need to actually start doing what Christ said if you intend to survive the decline and fall of the modern day Roman Empire, which is coming with the Great Reset. And, and, you know, one of the other things I noticed this week, uh, actually for the last three or four weeks, they're constantly talking about the sun. They are talking about... Every day I see these stories about coronal mass ejections on the sun. And if you go back, and we actually have a page on CMEs and all this stuff. And Christ said, you look for signs in the sun. Well, I know, because I followed this for over 60 years, been following the sun. When I, when I was a little kid, eight, nine years old, maybe seven years old, I saw the sun and solar sunspots in a telescope in Bobby Maloney's backyard. We could actually project the sun and the sunspots. And I knew that was a Kodak moment. That's important. Jesus said, look for signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And the word he used for stars mean planet. The news is telling us every day about this. But they're making a big deal out of little tiny CMEs. Chrono mass ejections. And little tiny sunspots. I mean, some of them are kind of big. They say, oh, planet size. Almost all the sunspots were planet sized during solar max. Now, most people don't know how that, this works or anything, but if you're actually walking with the Holy Spirit, and like I said this morning, if you want to walk with the Holy Spirit, you need to do this. You need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. You need to come likewise with the same mind of Christ which is that you care about others as much as you care about yourself. You lay down your life for your fellow man. You do that with fervent charity. You need to be doing that with fervent charity to take care of the needy of your society. We're not going to tell you what that looks like. But I, somebody was just asking me about, now I can't remember his name. I couldn't remember when they were asking about these guys would have you know, thousands of people in their church and they have jets and they have all this money and all this stuff. And, and I, I don't think I need to remember their names. You, you know who they are. We've talked about different ones. They're not 
providing a system of social welfare for the people. And I don't want to attract you to join with His Holy Church because you want to depend upon us as your social welfare for you. I'm saying that you need to lay down your life for your fellow man. You need to care about others as much as you can. You need to come, likewise, with the mind of Christ. And so, in verse 9, we see, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Share with others without grudging. I could tell you a really funny story. I won't do it. It just actually happened today. But... Where if somebody acted in a selfish manner, they don't even know it. They don't even know it. Somebody else saw it and it kind of irked them. But you have to forgive that. And hope that people turn around and not be selfish. Let it go. And and how you do that is forgiveness. Because forgiveness also covers a multitude of sins. So, in verse 10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You have to have grace for others. And I've seen so many times where congregations don't stick together because they don't have forgiveness and they don't have grace. I have seen many congregations that people are not very giving. They they are not sacrificing. They are not giving to others. They are not laying down their life for their fellow man. They say, oh, if you told me you needed help, I would have sent something. That's not fervent charity. Fervent charity is religious charity. You are planning on, you are casting your bread upon the waters. You're not waiting till there's a disaster and then you'll write a check. You are actually giving from the beginning. Christ was rich He gave up all that wealth. He had to give up all that wealth in order to follow John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a Levite. John the Baptist was a minister in the traditions of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was a Levite. Levites could not own property. It could not be wealth. They had to give up everything they owned personally and give it to others. Hoses, who became Barnabas, did that. He was violating the rules according to the teachings of Moses concerning the Levites. He realized that, sold everything that he had, and laid the profits from that sale, all the income from that sale, at the foot of the apostles. Because he was doing what Christ said, in order to be one of my disciples, you have to give up all you have. These preachers out here, they don't do that. And if you go back in the thousands of hours of archives that we have, I talk about, you know, a guy who wrote a book on, you know, 501c3 churches. And and the funny story, when I was talking to him on the phone and, and pointed this out, that you have to give up all your property to be an actual ordained minister of Christ's church. And there's a legal reason why you have to do that. But there's the critical reasons because that's what Christ said. And I pointed it out in the course of the conversation. Now, I know I'm I'm skipping over stuff. I'm not giving you the explanation. But you just have to stick around. I, I write about it in books like the Free Church Report. And explain why that is. But 
you know, the Covenants of the Gods was a 700-page book reduced down to 144 pages. The Free Church Report was at least a 350-page book reduced down to 144 pages. And they said, well, what, why'd you take out all that stuff? Because we may need to know that. Well, no, you need to know the Holy Spirit. You don't need to... I put enough facts in there to help you set down the garbage that you have accepted as true religion that is not pure religion, that is false religion, that has allowed you to be snared by public religion. Now, if you don't know what I mean by snared by public religion... Go read our article on snare. Just look up the word snare preparing you. If you want, you can look up the word public religion at preparing you. I have an article there. It explains what public religion is. Social security is public religion. It's how you take care of the needy of your society. Do the welfare systems attached to your social security? You got the number, you get the benefit. But that's all from men who exercise authority. And verse 10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so ministers the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Do you have the grace of God? Do you forgive your neighbor? Do you forgive those? Do you forgive your debtors? Because see, you're forgiven as you forgive your debtors. Well, you say, well, I paid into Social Security. I want Social Security. I want, I want the payment. And I'm not begrudging anybody's Social Security. I'm, I'm telling you, turn around. I, if everybody gave up Social Security now, some people would starve to death. Turn around and seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And that will get you through what is coming. Maybe. You might die. I can't guarantee. It's not an entitlement. But what did he talk about? Arm yourself. That's how you put on the full armor of God. You start actually doing what God said. What God said to Moses. What God said to Jesus Christ. Most of the people reading the Old Testament don't know. They're looking at Moses in the eyes of the Pharisees. And we know the Pharisees got it wrong. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, at that amen should be the end of the chapter, but it goes on from there. But we'll go back to fervent charity. Because it's fervent charity that is going to be telling us how the kingdom of God works. So what is fervent charity? What is this fervent charity that he talks about? Well, it's not exercising authority one over the other. That's how the governments of the world do it. Now, there's an ecclesia that's the called out. And like we said, if you go to our page on ecclesia, you can see the ecclesia. That's a very specific word talking about a small group of people that operated in government, that made choices for the people. But in Christ's ecclesia is different than the ecclesia of Athens or the ecclesia of Corinth. 
or the ecclesia of many of the other city-states. Because the ecclesia of Christ could not exercise authority one over the other. And so, finding out what these different ecclesias were doing and how they operated will give you some insight into what the ecclesia of Christ was doing. Now, you know, when we get to talking about the apostate church, which began at least with Constantine, I mean, uh, Simeon was well on his road, uh, well on the road, way to, uh, of the road to apostasy, but he didn't really get organized. He's the one who ended up crashing and dying. And, and of course, Judas Iscariot was trying to go over there, keeper of the purse. He was trying to get, corner Jesus into going along with the Pharisees because he, because of eth, ethnos, ethos. Again, putting, he thought highly of the Pharisees. He thought highly of Jesus. But he wanted Jesus to unify himself with the Pharisees and then they could throw off the Romans. But no, it doesn't work that way. You have to think differently. And he couldn't think differently. Or at least he was having trouble. I don't want to second guess poor Judas Iscariot. But the Pharisees had it wrong. If you think the Pharisees were teaching you what Moses was doing, you're going to you're going to end up having trouble with people like Paul. Paul was a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He believed all the stuff that the Pharisees believed. He taught all the stuff that the Pharisees taught about the Old Testament, about Moses. And then he discovered that it was all dung. It was all trash. Because he didn't see how important charity was. That and, and see, that's what the Pharisees, the Pharisees had a Corban, that means sacrifice. That's the Hebrew word for sacrifice. The Corban of the Pharisees, the sacrifice of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect. Because the sacrifice of the Pharisees was not fervent charity. It was legal charity. Now, so if you don't understand legal charity, you got to look that up. If you don't understand fervent charity, go to our article, which tells who talks about the mentioning of fervent charity in that First Peter four eight, which we just read. And, and right away, on the first chapter or first paragraphs of that article, I say the root cause of all violence, of all oppression, of personal depression and depressions. And corruption and despair in society today is our dependence upon the modern welfare state, which is public religion. Because, again, religion is how you take care of the needy of society. The widows and orphans, the needy of society. Pure religion is doing it unspotted by the world. And the word world they use there is constitutional order or system of government. The welfare state. You have to take care of all the needy without the welfare state. And then you might be practicing pure religion. You, In order to take care of them in pure religion, though, you would have to be redistributing the wealth of the people through charity in a way that strengthens the poor. 
See, this is why I don't tell you everything. Uh, now, I share all the books for free online. I share all the articles free online. You can listen listen to all the audios free online. If you join the network, you'll get access to this audio quicker. But we'll have it up eventually at Preparing You. But I don't tell you everything. I hint around about everything. <laughs> but I don't tell you everything because... I don't know who's listening. And just like Christ, he didn't tell them everything. He told the apostles a lot of stuff. And they were still having trouble figuring it out. But ultimately, they had it figured out when they received the Holy Spirit. But they received the Holy Spirit because they gave up on fear. And they gave up on greed and lasciviousness. And they followed Christ. Who else would we follow? Well, the fact is, most people are following these churches out there. That say it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of government, which is idolatry. Because idolatry is covetousness and covetousness is idolatry. The welfare state is the antithesis of what Moses and Jesus and all the prophets, and certainly John the Baptist was saying. It's not legal charity. It's fervent charity. It's sacrifice. That makes the word of God to effect. Not sacrifice that makes the word of God to none effect. And the sacrifice, the Corban of the Pharisees to Herod had become legal charity. So even the Corinthians, historian Polybius, and, and I go through that, but we've already talked about that. But they became accustomed to feed at the expense of others and depend for their livelihood on the property of others. And they degenerated and eventually had a monarch and a king. And Corinth was absolutely destroyed down to the last stone and rock and all the buildings were destroyed. The people, anybody who resisted, any of the males who resisted were killed. All the women and children were sold off into slavery. Long before Christ came along, even before the first emperor. He wasn't talking about Rome with that, but he was warning Rome and he was warning us. There is... No will amongst the masses to divest society of the education and the addiction to legal charity. And, and which began with public education. Now, originally public education, and, and I should put things in here, and I'm reminding myself that I may come back and add this. Tocqueville was pointing out very clearly that public education was not financed in America by tax dollars. Most public education was financed in America by charity. Even Harvard, Princeton. You could go to those schools by charity. It was built into their charters. But this idea of legal charity, where you force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, destroys society. And people in the 1800s knew this. Daggy Crockett knew it only because Horatio Bunce had told them and we'll, I'll add that article in here and this is my reminder to do that. It can only be done through fervent charity that a free society survive. And you need to understand that because legal charity is the deceitful meats of the dainties of rulers that will snare you. 
And it will kill care in society. It will break the social bonds of a free society. You need to take care of one another through the perfect law of liberty. Where choice is given back to you. This is what Christ gave you is back this choice. Because, yeah, there was Caesar who said, I'm not a king, I'm Caesar. But he said, I was the son of God and I'm the savior. And I got free bread and I've got all these benefits. And I will take care of the poor and the needy of society. But Jesus said the same thing. But Jesus said you had to do it by charity. Because if you do it by men who exercise authority, it's a snare. And and we know, repeated over and over again, from the beginning to the end, the Old Testament, the New Testament, Proverbs, uh, Deuteronomy, it will degenerate your society, make you vulnerable to be ruined. Plutarch told us that. He who ruined the Roman people was he who spread amongst them. These dainties, these benefits that he provided. Now, Caesar, he didn't provide it by taxing Romans. He did it by taxing the neighbors to Romans. In other words, he invaded Gaul. Gaul est partes trias. Gaul is divided into three parts. He actually used some of the Gauls to help him destroy the other Gauls. He also used the Teutons to help him destroy the other Gauls. He actually went after the Helvi or the Helvetians. He went after them first, goaded them into a battle, bombarded their train of women and children with firebrands hurling through the air to goad them into battle so he could destroy them, capture them, kill most of the men, and sell those Gauls off into slavery in slave markets that had been growing south of them. Because that was going to fund them the money he needed to pay the Teutons to defeat more Gauls. And with that money, he bestowed all kinds of gifts, gratuities of benefits upon the Roman people. Some said, oh no, we can't do this. It'll destroy our society. But others said, but these stimulus checks that we're getting will really help us out. <laughs> Who cares where the money comes from? Yeah, we're going to indebt our children for generations to come. But we're getting a stimulus check. I can get that big screen TV I wanted. You see? They're appealing to your lasciviousness, your greed, your covetous practices. But he was funding the daily administration of Rome. And he was destroying Rome. Just like FDR. Just like LBJ. Just like Obama. Now, many of the people listening to this, they're not going to get it. They're not going to see it. They're not going to think, no, no, but that's ridiculous. My preacher didn't teach me these things. My pastor doesn't say these things. All that we're supposed to do what the government says. God, the governments were created by God. Doesn't say that. Paul never says that. Go read where you think it says that. But read it at preparing you. Because at preparing you, 
We have the side panel that shows you what these words mean in the context of the day. Who are the fathers of the earth? Do you know that? Do your preachers know that? What are the weightier matters? Do your preachers know? What are the weightier matters? What was the Christian conflict? Why were the Christians persecuted? If Piso invented Christianity in order to subdue the Christians, why were the Christians being killed? They should have been model citizens. No, they weren't model citizens. There was something wrong. They had a different son of God. They didn't have Caesar as their son of God. They had a different savior. They didn't have Caesar as their savior. Well, so what did the Romans care? What the Romans didn't like was the Christians were proving that you could take care of the needy of your society more efficiently, certainly more righteously, through faith, hope, and charity than you could through all the bureaucracies of Rome. And so many people say, oh, we're, we're, we want capitalism. We, we want to... You know, go out and work and earn our money and we keep our money and we take care of ourselves and all this stuff in capitalism. Capitalism without fervent charity is not going to have the social bonds of a free society. Capitalism is natural. Like I said, every squirrel, every bird that's made a nest, every squirrel that gathers a nut, every dung beetle that rolls his dung. That's capitalism. That's natural. It's always been, you know, you make it, it's yours. You plant it, you grow it, you take care of it, it's yours. You cultivate it, it's yours. That's capitalism. That's, you, you gather it from the forest, it's yours. Even in old English law, you know, if before all the deer belonged to the king, <laughs> if you hunted a deer and you shot it, uh, you could track that onto other people's property and it was your deer because you shot it. Now, if somebody else had to shoot it and bring it down finally, then you can split it. <laughs> but the point is, hunter-gatherer, what you gathered is yours. That's capitalism. But that isn't going to create bonds in society. It isn't going to keep the rich man Caring about the poor man. It isn't going to get have the poor man care about the rich man. What does that is fervent charity. A network of fervent charity. Sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And taking care of one another. Through charity alone. But so what are you going to do when they... When the October surprise come. Whether it's this October or next October. Who knows when it's going to be. I'm not saying... I'm not making any prophecy. But it's coming. COVID was one thing. The banking, monetary, all that, that's another thing. What's going on in the sun, that's another thing. There is time left. Very little time left. You need to repent now. You need to think differently now. I'm showing you how they thought differently. Christians were taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, through the free will donations, to, through a network of ministers who cared as much about 
the fellow ministers and the fellow ministers congregation. I see a lot of people say, well, I, we have our congregation. We don't need to be connected with anybody else. So, Jesus was preaching the congregation of heaven? <laughs> no, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is organized in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. It operates entirely by fervent charity, by loving one another in a network of charity that requires ministers who are willing to lay down their life because the Levites weren't capitalists. They owned all things common. When you see that phrase in the New Testament, they're talking about the ecclesia because their job was to return every man to his family and to his possessions. But if your father is the state, call no man on earth father, if you're looking to him for your benefaction, then you're not returned to your family. Your family doesn't belong to itself. It belongs to Caesar or LBJ or Obama or FDR or whoever is in power. And since they're borrowing money against the traveling merchants of the earth, they probably own you. But all this can change if you put on the mind of Christ. If you start following what Christ actually said. Real Christians strive to keep the commandments of Christ because they actually love the real Christ. And His doctrines. Is that what you do? Do you actually love Christ and His doctrines? Exodus 20, uh, verse 6. And the showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Deuteronomy 5.10 And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. John 14.15 If ye love me, keep my commandments. John 14.23 Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, He will keep my word, my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. You're going to need the abode, the Basra of Christ in the days to come. And and Jesus was telling them then, and they needed it then, and you will need it now. But you need to actually keep the commandments, which includes not coveting your neighbor's goods. Taking care of your parents. Levites were to retire from physical labor at 55. I'll lay you odds. You, Most people are not taking care of their parents. They're sending their parents to the men who exercise authority one over the other and saying, they will take care of you. Because you got Social Security. I have to do no more art for my parents because I have contributed to the temple of the great temple of Social Security. (laughs) But you need to repent of that. You need to turn around from that. You need to go the other way. In this whole page on covetous practices, which I should go over and... and, uh, and help people understand that the multitude of sins. Does this include charity expressed in tithing and other contributions? That is, if 
The one receiving them is doing the work of Christ, of course. Can these expressions of love cover a person's sin? Is that what this verse means that we read earlier? No, you you have to think differently. You have to think in the quantum, in the spiritual realm. You, there is no trick to salvation. The slaughter of Christ, it has to be written on your heart and your mind. I'm not going to guilt you into a guilt trip. You have to turn around. You're, you're supposed to be all priests and kings. And the priests of the kingdom, other than the priests of each family and the king in each family, there is no king but Christ. But what does that look like? It looks like thousands upon thousands of people in that work together caring about one another as much as they care about themselves. It is not isolated little congregations. It's not the ecclesia on the boat ramp. It's not the ecclesia in the park. The ecclesia is the called out. The congregations of the people are free assemblies. You see that word all the time in the Bible. Free assemblies. That's what the congregations are. You're not in a free assembly, chances are, right now. You're in the assembly of Caesar. You're in debt to the bankers of Caesar. Your children are in debt to the bankers of Caesar. Is it not lawful to do with mine own what I will? Are you, do you belong to Christ? You want to belong to Christ, you need to start abiding in what Christ said to abide in. Start keeping the commandments. Start repenting of the legal charity that makes the word of God to none effect. The Corbin of the Pharisees that makes the word of God to none effect. And start edifying the gospel of the kingdom by actually becoming doers of the word. But until then, all I can do is say, peace upon your house, but join the network. Peace on your house. May God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www dot his holy church dot net